It's invading Hoth. From Kenner's Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection, new Hoth ice planet that you put together. You can make the elevator go up or down. Hoth. New Imperial Stormtrooper, Rebel Soldier, and Han Solo action figures each sold separately. Get them, Han. When you push the action lever, Stormtrooper falls. Now's my chance to sneak in. I'll cover you with the radar laser cannon. Hoth Ice Planet from Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back Collection. Action figures each sold separately. New from Kenner. And here we go. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I'm gonna kill you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. That's not how the force works. Very small man can cast a very large shadow. This <laughs> does put a smile on my face. Once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy. Most impressive. You are on the Sith list. I have spoken. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 183 of the Sith list. I'm your host, Raj Dolachai, and my co-pilots for this evening, the young, the restless, the man who is not in the Sith lair, but he is at a Disney resort hotel wearing a robe, has a microphone in an ice bucket. He is Carlos Buarguello, the man we call Crunch Crunch, the man with a Steel Saunders Darth Maul hoodie on, ready to rock it, Mr. Lesses. Sitting down instead of force jumping through the air. I hope you don't spread your legs like that. That would be really bad right it's now. It's basically Jordan, so I know who we it all is. tried that. I know who it is. Yeah, I pulled a hamstring doing that a couple times. I only got two inches off the ground. So, Ooh, The man who was not with us last week, the man we call King Tom, the king of all pods. He is here this week, Mr. King Tom Chansky. How you doing, buddy? I'm six foot five. I can't touch the rim. It's okay. Is that right? You can't touch the rim? No. Nah. Damn. I mean, if, if the hoop is lowered, yeah, but standard, no. All right. All right. Okay. You know what? You're not the only one. Okay. <laughs> That's disappointing to hear, man. Well, I can't touch the rim, but I'm not 6'5". Hey, you, you've never read the uh, Revenge of the Sith novelization, Eric. We all have our flaws. Oh, yeah. There's, there's some beef right now, but let me introduce the, the other side of this beef. Ooh, that didn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> the man I call El Hombre. The man who does those dirty deeds that are done dirt cheap. Mr. Eric. Can touch the rim. Strathers. Oh, there it is. Nice. Okay, so why are we beefing? What is the situation here? I feel tension in the room, even though you guys aren't in this room. King Tom, Eric, what is going on? Eric and I have differing differing views on some Star Wars literature. Some of the finest books Eric has utterly no appreciation for. Mm, Splinter of the Mind Eye, huh? Is that what you guys are? Uh, no? No, the one where Chewie gets killed by a moon (laughs) yeah that's what eric wants to read so (laughs) king tom is way into the darth plagueis novel and i am not i read it and i've got to tell you something you know the joke about the the priest in hell and he says it only feels like an eternity dude that's actually about reading darth plagueis Ooh. if you took all the facts in the book the story beats and just wrote them down in bullet point form you'd be like man that's cool if you actually sat down and read the book you'd be like huh i just read the dictionary that was words and that sir is where it's at now the revenge of the sith novelization i do hear that it's great i just haven't had time to read it i watched the video book version i'm not going to say eric's completely wrong about darth plagueis but because it is it is an acquired taste but I just was was a little bit upset earlier on today's otherwise excellent bad motivators. 
hear that Eric has not read one of the greatest Star Wars novelizations. Have you ever heard the tragedy that is the novel Darth Plagueis? Several yeah. times. Well, Happily. Didn't you Hold guys- that up. Is it? Yep, it's, there it is. It's a very fine novel by Matthew Stover. Have you read it? It's based on the story and the screenplay. No, I just like the cover. That's why it's in here. <laughs> Because this is a podcast, we should probably tell people that Araj has the hardcover version of the Revenge of the Sith. Novel. I do, I do. Thank you, King Tom. I forget. He's showing sometimes. the camera right now. <laughs> I sometimes I feel like we're on YouTube. All right, let's get this thing going. How's everybody else? Boo, how are you doing? Where, what, what are you doing? Where are you? Why are you wearing a robe? And why is there a mic inside of an ice bucket? And please don't tell me there's ice in there. Oh, shit! I knew I forgot to take something out. Currently, I am in a Hilton hotel in Anaheim. Uh, on vacation with my wonderful, beautiful girlfriend, Brittany. And we are having a little staycation, you know, going to Disney. So that's where I am currently. Have you been on Rise of Skywalker yet? uh, I've been on... No, Rise of Skywalker. It's a new ride, not Rise of Resistance. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Well, I haven't been on that one, but I have been on the Rise of the Resistance. Shout out to Rusty and Brandy Brown helping us out with that. They came in clutch today. So that was was very helpful. Yes, I have. I have been on the ride and it is amazing. Wait, there are two members of the Brown family that have the initials BB? Yes. There's actually eight of them. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, so that's where I am currently and what I am currently doing, yes. You love the ride. Yes, yes. The ride is incredible. One of the one of the better experiences I've had at Disneyland. But it is an amazing ride. You know, uh, uh, was it a Raju description of it and all that? Just spot on. I don't know the the immersiveness of it and everything the the interaction with all the different cast members spot on everybody does a great job you're already in Galaxy's Edge which is a, which is a whole different world in itself and then you go on this ride and it takes you into another aspect of that world that is completely engaging which is something I give the major major kudos for wonderful ride wonderful ride so yeah it, I'm I'm saying if you can get on it now go for it try to get try to get there early try to get a one of those early boarding passes because later on when it's everybody can get on the ride, it's going to be pretty fucking nuts. Yeah, I know you're absolutely right about that. Cool. I'm glad you liked it, buddy. How, uh, Keith, Tom, yeah. how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Enjoying the weather. It's that 61 day and 20 the next. It's, oh. you know, winter in Ohio. Dang, that's craziness. It was like 47 degrees today and I wore a thermal underneath my pants. <laughs> Thought, thoughts I, and prayers, buddy. I, thoughts I, and prayers. I swear. It was cold. Like, that's thermal. Are you kidding me? It's it not cold. that cold. You just wear cold. a pair of jeans and you'll be fine. No, no, no. Just no. wear an no. extra rope. No, I get shrinkage. You don't know. I can't do that. <laughs> I, it just goes inside my stomach. I don't like it. Oh. I don't like the feeling inside my stomach. <laughs> and especially when I pee, then it gets warm. It's really bad. Les, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Let's. You want to move along? Let's you want to get this going here? Do, man. Yeah, Les has got like A-okay. 42 cough drops in front of him. It's going to be one of those, uh, yeah. one of those pods tonight. And by so the way, I'm lying to y'all because I said I'm doing great. Yeah, he's not doing great. He's ill. He's made it here. Good for you because he knows he doesn't get sick pay here. No. All right. Let's, let's just get into this. <laughs> let's get into this. Let's get out the shenanigans real quick. We are proud members of the Mickey Star Wars Podcast Network. Tune in to podcasts like now this podcasting, Blue Harvest, Steel Wars, Rogue One, Podcast 2187, First Order Transmissions, The Cargo Hold, Kessel Run Radio, Fingered by Randy and Jason, Tatooine Sons and Around the Galaxy, and check us out on social media, thesithlist.net, Facebook, Instagram, The Sith List, and we'll give out our Twitter handles at the end. And check out makingstarwars.net for all the crazy news that's coming out in Star Wars, even though there's not a lot of it. Jason's got some cool pics of the Mandalorian Season 2 set. So for stuff like that, go to makingstarwars.net and check them out. Let's get into the box office, guys. For a third straight weekend in a row, bad boys, bad boys, what you're going to do for life. Top the weekend box office, and it continues to do so with ease. Though it isn't a huge weekend, it still did pretty well because it didn't have any competition because Gretel and Hansel's and Paramount's The Rhythm Section fell well below expectations. I have a feeling, though, this is the last week for bad boys because we have a Harley Quinn film coming out this weekend. We got some reviews. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, The reviews are in for that film. So that is your box office. Anybody see any movies this weekend that we need to talk about? All right. It's time for Eric's Star Wars Report. 
I know there's not a lot of things to talk about, but there's some solid, solid stuff in the world of Star Wars and that galaxy. So are you ready to give us the report? I sure am, buddy. I sure am. So real quick, uh, there was some footage that was making the rounds. It's been around for a while. It's uh, People thought it must be test footage for Star Wars Underworld. The the. I guess the rumored series that was going to take place. This is before Disney plus was ever a thing. That's for sure. Regardless, maybe you saw the footage. Well, here's what it turns out. It is. Are you ready? Strathers, this is not something financed by Ben Hart for the Star Wars. Uh, I know. Right. Well, see, I support that, that podcast via Patreon. Mm -hmm. And I suspected that that's what my money was paying for. I love those guys. And uh, yeah, dude, I love those guys too, man. They are doing the Lord's work. Lord Vader, that is. So what it was is a proof of concept. So they, they essentially hired it out. It's, we're, not, we're not sure if it was a story that someone from Lucasfilm wrote or if they just said, hey, make us something that looks like Star Wars, put some stormtroopers in it. But it was basically to see like if the effects were possible and to shop it around, see if anybody would buy it. It wasn't an actual episode or anything like that. But... Uh, you know, anything that Star Wars is still cool. And I, I, I think overall, King Tom, what did you think of that thing? Yeah, I saw it. And for something that was made 10 years ago, it didn't look that bad. It looked like what I thought it, in 2005 when they first announced they were looking to do a Star Wars live action show. It looked probably a little bit better than I thought something like that would look at, but it would look like. But I don't know today that it that it holds up. So I, I am glad because of, I saw it before we heard that they had, that Lucasfilm had farmed this out. So I'm, I'm also kind of glad for them that they weren't the ones who did it. It looked like <laughs> it, it, it looked like Blade Runner and Revenge of the Sith went to Smashtown and had a baby. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, had a baby that they didn't want anybody to know about. Exactly. <laughs> and now but, now it's come back when it's eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> and pissed you never loved me yeah uh so i mean don't get me wrong the the visuals there was some neat stuff about it but like it relied very heavily on sort of like a security cam footage shot that was all instantly on my nerves after about the third time (laughs) but well because it was just taking up so much real estate it's like okay we get it but The, the, the thing i didn't get is at the end they all walk into that little store and the guy is standing there with a the gun, and the gun is pointed at the stormtroopers. And they, the stormtroopers are just like, okay, we're here. You're telling me that stormtroopers walk into a place, a guy's holding up a gun, pointing it at them. They're not going to do anything about it? I didn't well, get that. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. And I wondered, you know, did I miss the point? Was he expecting someone else, and they knew that? So they're like, oh, when he sees it's us, he won't shoot us. Good point. It could- <laughs> yeah. So, That's why I'm here. So anyway, yeah, the, the show didn't get made. No networks picked it up. And uh, that was that. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we have The Mandalorian now is because networks didn't pick those things up and we didn't get a TV show back then. And now we have such a great, fresh idea of a show. So everything worked out at the end. That is true. So I saw an article where George Lucas, it talks about the advice that he gave Ron Howard during the making of solo which why suddenly they're talking about that beyond me because i don't know if you know this but that was a while ago yeah but the article i saw was just like two days ago anyway basically what he was saying is you gotta you know try to be sensitive to what the fans like but at the end of the day this has to be like a director driven thing that's how star wars works but the kind of the gist of it was is hey ron i got some bad news for you People, have you met them? They're the worst. Is kind of how it, it came off. But just sort of to tell them what to what to do with it. And I'm trying to imagine if I were George Lucas and I was trying to give somebody advice after what he dealt with with the prequels, I think I'd have a hard time being nice about much of anything. Yeah, I saw that too, and I, he's spot on, man. And he just didn't really say people are the worst. He said, well, he didn't say Star Wars fans are the worst. He just said you have to listen to them. But you have to do your own thing and, and be creative no matter what, which is great advice. Did you, did you hear, Eric, that he had a little cameo, a, voice, a voiceover or a cameo in, in uh, 
Rise of Skywalker? Yes. So, but we don't know where. They have a scream. You guys are familiar with the Wilhelm scream. That's the the famous one. It's appeared in every Star Wars saga yeah. movie. And and in tons of other movies. It's just sort of a running gag. And uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of people said it wasn't in The Last Jedi. But uh, I'm pretty sure it is. But it's not a scream. It's embedded in the sound of a lightsaber swing. <laughs> when Luke and Kylo Ren are facing each other in crate or oh, on okay. crate. That's an interesting usage for it. Yeah. I mean, I would have to go through and find it, but I remember hearing it the first time thinking, Oh, there it is. But they have a scream. They refer to as the George. <laughs> and, <laughs> and because there was a really cool, there was a cool article. Uh, I, I saw it on GoodMorningAmerica.com where they were talking about Matt Wood and, uh, David Accord were who were sound designers. They were talking about everything they went through to get sounds and sound effects for uh, the Rise of Skywalker. And one of the things they were trying to get some sounds of of explosions at uh, like a firefighter training facility, and the wind was blowing super hard, and they couldn't get a decent recording for anything. So they like went into this pole barn. It sounded like to try to ride it out. And while they're in there, you know, the wind's whipping through there and the building's creaking and popping. And the Matt Wood said that they were like, Oh man, this, this is going to work for that death star scene where Ray's on the death star looking for the, the wayfinder because JJ had explained to him kind of what he was looking for. And that's how they ended up grabbing that, which I, I find that sort of thing really cool. The the recording aspect of it, since, you know, that's what we're doing a ton of with this, trying to record the impossible. <laughs> <laughs> For people that don't know, this, this episode has been so hard to record. We've dropped about 10 times already. Sound's been awful. So, yeah, we appreciate that. And yeah, there's no there's no windstorm. There's no nothing. We're just we're just a bunch of dudes just sitting in the room having yeah. the similar issues. Exactly. Yeah, that's the sad part. Yeah. Our only obstacle is geography. That's right. So, so right now for the listener, if this helps put things in perspective, we're like 11 minutes in probably to the podcast you're listening to right now, (laughs) but we're a solid 45 minutes into the recording process at minimum. Absolutely. And you don't hear Tom right now because he's gone. We don't know where he went. (laughs) We we were going to try to just talk like, like it, it wasn't his turn yet and then steam it all together. But yeah, that ship sailed. So Anyway, one of the things they talk about in that article that I personally find interesting is how they managed to capture some dialogue for ADR, mm. and uh, which is you know automated dialogue replacement. They went and like to Adam Driver's house oh, to shit. get some lines and had him just record in a closet. Which, if you if you're interested in voiceover work at all. That's one of the things they say on the cheap is just get your mic stand and get in a closet and put it in the clothes. So and speak at towards the clothes. And it's what that tells you is, is the amount of money it takes to build a studio that's perfectly silent and all that. Crazy. You start to get into the, the law of diminishing returns. You familiar with what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes, I am. You have to pour in a ton of money to only get just a very small percentage better. I mean, obviously, it's better, really. But it's cool that they're able to do that for a movie. And it works because there's always going to be sound effects going in behind it. So if you don't get the perfect, the perfect dead quiet, no reverb reflection thing, when you use that dialogue in the movie, it's going to be probably music going and something else to help. But they also talked about how they got Ewan McGregor's voice but put them in a, a blanket fort. Oh, shit. Yeah, man. They put some chairs and stretched some blankets over it, and he sat down and crawled under the blankets. And <laughs> That's awesome. Like, yep, welcome to this is big money, Lucasfilm money, man, right here. And that's how they do it. Boo, I, we need you to get in the closet right now. And record. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll set up my blanket for it. Like I'm uh, seven years old again. I'll get the couch cushions and and put a sign that says "No girls allowed outside." Yeah. Well, that's you're just describing your room. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the fortress. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The, the, the man cave. 
Well, we had some sad news. Alan Harris passed away. And if you don't know who Alan Harris is, you actually probably do know who he is. You've seen him on screen. Harris played multiple roles across all three films in the original Star Wars trilogy, but was best known for playing bounty hunter Bosk in The Empire Strikes Back. Harris' body was also used to mold the pieces for bounty hunter Boba Fett. And also, he was a stand-in for 3PO. So mm-hmm. he is big in our galaxy, of Star Wars galaxy, so a big rest in peace Alan Harris. That really sucks. Just uh, another thing until 2020. But uh. Dude, it, that has been crazy. We were actually talking about this at work and just the amount of just stuff, man. We've all, you know, either personally experienced some stuff yeah. or our very close friends have. And it's, it's just wild. I, I, what, it's like, what the hell? Yeah, it is. And we heard, I just read before we came on that Kirk Douglas passed away at 102 years old. I mean, he lived a long 103. Life. 103, my bad. 103 years old. Big, uh, big old rest in peace to Kirk Douglas, a, a movie legend. Uh, Spartacus. You recognize this baton? Yes. You should. It was in your tent. The symbol of the Senate. Oh, the power of Rome. That's the power of Rome. Take that back to your Senate. Tell them you and that broken stick is all that's left of the garrison of Rome. Tell them we want nothing from Rome. Nothing. Except our freedom. All we want is to get out of this damn country. We're marching south to the sea. And we'll smash every army they send against us. Put them on a horse. Yeah, that was, I was actually surprised to see that. It, it, he, it was, he was one of those guys that you just assumed. He's gonna, he was just going to go forever. Yeah, just off. But... Let's talk about this earnings call. King Tom listened to it, and he was going to fill us in on it, but right now we have no King Tom. So uh, uh, here's the big news. Let's just cut to this. Uh, They talked about the next season of The Mandalorian. It's going to start in October of this year. And there are just some vague things mentioned, but they're going to be bringing in some different characters, additional characters. Also, they may or may not be considering... Uh, like spinoff series for some of the other characters. Now, does that mean we'll get like a Cara Dune or does that mean they'll bring in somebody else and that person will get a spinoff? You know, somebody that's already established in the Star Wars canon. That's what I'm thinking. Gentlemen, the king, ladies What's and gentlemen, that? King we Tom is to, back. The king Moment was decided at the best time to completely take a dump. <laughs> Sorry crazy. about that. That's all right. Oh, on course here, uh, King Tom. We were talking about the earnings call, and you want right. to tell the listeners about that now that you're back. So Disney uses Disney and all big companies use these every quarter to you know say how they're doing, and sometimes. A lot of people, myself included, were tuned in because in the past we have gotten news about upcoming projects. They were very happy with how they as a company overall performed the last three months of 2019. They did a lot better than the last three months of 2018. And one of the reasons they said was because of the release of The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, They did not announce any new, new Star Wars projects, but they did announce that The Mandalorian Season 2 will start in the fall, in October, I believe. And he said they are working on the Rogue One prequel series, which is Cassian series. They're working on the Obi-Wan series. And they may be looking at other spinoffs based around The Mandalorian. Hmm. Um, someone asked him about, because you know, at the end they open it up to questions from people who work for banks and financial institutions. And he was asked about the future of Star Wars, and he said for the next few years, um, they are going to be focusing on their streaming uh, products. They're going to take a hiatus of announcing new movie product, you know, cinematic movie projects. But what we as consumers and, and their audience, we will see things more of the same, like The Mandalorian and the other Disney Plus series they have in the in the pipeline, right? So that's and, and we were expecting that you know they're going to focus on the TV side of things, the streaming side of things, and and they've been so successful at it, so they're going to just keep pushing that, right? Even uh, like last year when they announced their 
upcoming movie release schedule for the next two years, you know, there were Marvel and Disney movies pretty much every month for the next few years. But the next Star Wars movie we would have been getting anyway wasn't coming out till 2022. Exactly. So what do you guys think about the spinoffs and who would you want? Now, I don't think Cara Dune's going to get a spinoff. I, I just don't think she's big enough as a character to get an actual spinoff of eight or nine shows. I can see her in the spinoff also, but is there somebody, a character that you really want to get a spinoff? Well, if it was an existing character that's already on the show, I mean, honestly, Cara Dune is who you're left with. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. If it's an existing character. Yeah. Right. But if they're to, to bring anybody in, in this timeline, it would have to be somebody huge like Boba Fett. That, but they're not going to bring in Boba Fett and then give him a spinoff. They've already got the Mandalorian. That'll yeah. cause too much confusion. Right. Mm-hmm. So who could they bring in that's already well-known into the story and have it make sense that would warrant a spinoff? That's a tough call, man. I don't I would, know who it would be. Maybe like, uh, oh, I'm sorry, King Tom, like uh, uh, General Hux's dad. Or or something like or the, why like not the, Luke? Well, I think I mean that's kind of who I was thinking of first, but I don't wow. know that they're gonna be ready to recast Luke Skywalker uh, uh, on yeah. a television show. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be, say that'd be rad. I wouldn't say <laughs> she's well known, and there there are already other rumors about her. But I would bring in Doctor Aphra in season two, ah, with the goal of having her be some in something bigger. In future years. Has Dr. Afra become the new Ahsoka Tano where she is becoming this big time <laughs> character? She's evolving through the comics, not through the animated series like Ahsoka did. But now she's she's getting up there, man. People are cosplaying her. Uh, they're talking about maybe adding her to the shows. That, that'd be interesting. Well, she's a popular character. And the, yeah. the comic books, um, I haven't read the entire run up to current the because i just i was reading the um trade paperbacks yeah the, where yeah where it's yeah it's like the big compilation of cross so i've read the first four and i mean she's really cool she's got a uh vintage series figure and the whole bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh that's that's really neat man uh i will scarlett johansson have break in her schedule to play her though i probably well, prob- joke because she's she's appears to be of you know asian dr afro does oh gotcha you made it funny i I got i got what you were saying buddy thank you king tom uh but but i do think it'd be cool uh (laughs) if she'd be a cool introduction now i don't know if she can carry a whole series uh for the average joe like the comic book nerds would read it but i mean you know we probably thought that with the mandalorian that's uh, that's what i was gonna say right now we didn't think a non- a big character from the Star Wars, brand new character would become one of the biggest phenomenons in Star Wars. So you just, yeah, you just don't know. If the story's good, the action's good, it's done well, I think people will watch. See, no, that's that's the tough thing, is because you know they say spinoff, and you immediately think it's got to be from the characters that we know from The Mandalorian. Otherwise, I could think, maybe not like a direct spinoff, but uh, maybe like some 15-minute shorts of the other bounty hunters in the guild and their doings and their transactions, see how they might revolve or interact or maybe get in the way of the Mandalorian and, and his, his business. And especially now in season two, when, you know, he's trying to, you know, return the child or keep, you know, raise him as his own, you know, kind of thing. That's the only way I can kind of see something else. How about Sabine and Ahsoka? I'd watch that. <laughs> Would they do that? Though, with the plans that the sequel to Rebels is coming, would they put them in live action and in animation that close together? I mean, because... If that's the reason why they won't do it, that is pretty lame. If they're going to go just a a Rebel sequel and give up the opportunity to have those two characters in a live action, I think that would be pretty fucking lame of Lucasfilm. Well, now that's not exactly what I mean. Because what I'm saying is, is you don't, you take the viability of the cartoons and its chance to succeed and throw it out the window when it has to compete with live action right next to it. 
Right. No, so I, I, I totally understand what yeah. you're saying, but I'm saying but, you, you do, if you balance, I mean, they'll do one or the other. And if you're not going to do the live action because you're afraid of the viability of the animated series, I think that's crap. Well, what I, what I was going to say is that if they were to do something like that, it would have to be after this Clone Wars, or I'm sorry, this uh, Rebels sequel runs its course, does its right, thing, right. then sit on it for a while, and then maybe the further adventures of, as opposed to just retelling the same story. That's what I'm driving at. It's just, If we're talking about something that's going to happen soon, I wouldn't expect it to be them. Now, something they could do. Because, you know, you've got this lawless time of the, the galaxy happening in the Mandalorian. You could branch out and show what's going on in other parts of the galaxy with the remnants of the Empire. Mm. Where you could have like a team from the New Republic who's going around trying to stamp this stuff out That's kinda in cool. that same time. That's yeah, that's kind of cool. Too. That's a great idea. Well, this is exciting. I mean, we could end up with one, two, three, four live action Star Wars series by the time another film comes. That's not too shabby. No, not at all. There was a new uh, Vader comic released today. It was the first issue, and it, it was pretty good, but it, it had a lot more of the same where Vader, it, it's it's the same concept as this, this Star Wars comic that just restarted, where it's Vader's story after Empire Strikes Back, and Throughout the issue, he's trying to find out more information about Luke Skywalker. And throughout the issue, he sees visions of his past. And then there's a big surprise on the last panel that I don't want to give it away. But if it's if you've been paying attention to what's been going on in canon, it it's not a huge surprise or anything. Mm, okay. Do you guys want to know what it is or would you rather be surprised? Uh, yeah, you can ask Eric on that one. I don't want to ruin his. Yeah, you can tell me. I'll still read it. Okay. All right, all right. On so three, if you don't want to get spoiled, then just skip over two minutes. One, one, two, and three. Go ahead. So Vader is searching into the uh, the this mystery of where Luke Skywalker has been his whole life. He goes to Tatooine. He ends up in Padme's apartment on Coruscant, and it's kind of sealed off. <laughs> I think, yeah, <laughs> on uh, orders of Palpatine, he blasts his way in, and the last page is what looks to be Padme facing him down. And you get the idea that it's not a vision. But from the um, other canon material, most notably the Queen's Shadow Book, we know that Padme has these handmaidens who look like her and act like her. And I think that's what it is, one of them using it as a base and confronting him. Damn. But people are saying, people are saying, one of the, I don't remember who, um, one of the clickbaity news sites said, oh, it means that Padme is alive. That would doesn't. Well, that would make perfect sense because based of what we saw of her in the prequels, what she would definitely 100% do is never, ever speak to her children again. <laughs> that's, that's just exactly what she would do mm-hmm. for sure. So, yeah, I, I'm right. totally buying that. I'm picking that, picking it up, man. That's good stuff. Good. I wonder if it was Keira Knightley in the comic. <laughs> Not, not at comic rates. No, you're right. You have to pay up to get her. That's true. All right. Well, that was some great Star Wars talk. We got through it without, well, no, King Tom went out and Eric went out, but we got through it. And now we're into some pop culture. We have an email from Kent. Dear Sith Listers, sorry about doubling up on the emails last week. I thought they would be separate episodes. No, you don't need to be sorry because that was my fault. We didn't get to it on one episode, but thank you for writing both. The reason I wrote is because of Neil Peart's death. I've never been a huge Rush fan. Sorry. He actually says, sorry, I want to do sorry because they're Canadian. But I do appreciate the technical abilities of his drumming and the rest of the band. Do you think that a lot of people tend to either ignore or become overwhelmed by technical music? A friend of mine always talked about the skills of the drummer from Dream Theater. And I would always reply, who? That's it. That's funny. That is really funny because I used to listen to Dream Theater only because they were huge Rush fans and their drummer was really known. I'm sure Eric knows him. I'm sure he'll talk about it in a second. Do you think a lot of successful bands employ the three chords and a simple backbeat? Insanely proficient bands don't seem to do as well as bands that are very questionable at their abilities. Look at Kiss. Prog Rock did well for a while, but I think that's the most popular songs have a lot of clapping and la-la-las. Am I crazy? Thanks a lot. 
Love the show, Kent. Thank you for that email, Kent. And I'm going to refer this to Mr. Struthers. So Eric, is it, is it that technical bands like Rush, like Floyd and Yes and all them, are they not as popular? Well, Floyd's huge, but are they not as popular because they're too technical? Bands like Dream Theater and whatnot. Or is it bands like Kiss and Green Day and Weezer, who I love to death, but play that simple, great, poppy stuff are more popular? Here's my take, okay? People want something that they can relate to and find themselves in. That's typically what attracts people to music, or at least as some element of it. And when you take extremely technical music, a lot of times that's appealing to other musicians because you understand the skill set and that sort of thing. But the craft of songwriting from a relatable standpoint isn't there. One of the reasons that pop music is so simple and repetitive is because a lot of times the songwriters spent the, their time honing their ability to write songs, not to play their instrument in a technical fashion. I'm not saying they have to be uh, always separated, but as a general rule, okay? I'm sure you get where I'm coming from. Sure. So you take a band like Dream Theater. They're crazy good at what they do. Every single member is a monster player. but even for me, dude, I can only take so much of it mm -hmm. because there, I don't find myself in the songs. I'm more attracted to like, uh, you know, I listened to a lot of Metallica whenever I was young because I enjoyed the, like the brutality of it, I guess. And it was like the lyrical substance wasn't nearly as important, but like right now, I tend to really like pop music, singer-songwriter stuff. Um, you know, obviously, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. But she's like this unique combination of pop icon but singer-songwriter because the, the, you find yourself in the tunes, in the songs themselves, in the lyrics. And I think that's more appealing to the mass public because what it feels like is you have to have an advanced degree in math to understand math rock, which is what... <laughs> that technical stuff is it's not appealing because what makes technical music so technical is it's deviation from the norm. That's what, when you, if you really try to define that, it's like crazy time signature shifts and all this stuff. Now it just happens to work out for a band like tool. Yeah. They are I was just like going to bring them up right now. The perfect storm because they appeal on a lot of other levels mm -hmm. because it's not like tool. Isn't a band like dream theater where they're not super chopsy chop. I just mean, they're not yeah. like playing a thousand notes a second. Theirs is more cerebral and uh, plotting and the, the shifting time signatures are intentionally jarring as opposed to, Hey, look what we can do. When you take a band like rush, who, from a prog perspective, they were all very good at their instruments from a technical standpoint, but there was a lot of music in it. Mm -hmm. Something yeah. about it that just feels different. Right. No, that I was going to say with Rush is they were, sounds like math rock, like you're saying. The appeal to me was always that they sounded like they were having a blast while they were playing it. Dream Theater sounds like they studied it for four or five years and they they're playing the song that they just studied and mastered. Rush just fit, feels like they were, they got it and they were having a blast and they loved doing it and they would just go back and forth with each other. That's that was that's the big difference to me. With uh, right, yeah. If I may, because you mentioned Weezer, yeah, Weezer, I, knew, I knew you. Were I I wouldn't claim their math rock or anything like that. While they are good at playing rock, they're not virtuosos or. Anything like that, they are known for a specific type of pop rock. It was their, their first album, the Blue Album, back in 1994. It was a, a big hit at the time in the world of alternative rock. Their second album was, I wouldn't want to say it's progressive rock, but it was mm -hmm. definitely something different. It, is, that it was is that Pinkerton? Pinkerton? Yeah. Yeah. 
Pinkerton came out in 1996. Originally, it was supposed to be a rock opera, but it changed into a very personal project um, that was pretty much all lead singer Rivers Cuomo. And it had things like changing time signatures, non-repetitive music, different chord patterns. And that combined with the fact that the songs were very personal, um, it, it just felt different to a lot of people. And at the time, Rolling Stone said that it was the second worst album of 1996, right after Bush's, I think, razor blade suitcase. The album did not sell. And the fact that it, it failed at the time because people just didn't get it. And mm-hmm. you know, alternative music was kind of shifting in those years, but it, it led Rivers down a road of self-doubt that it, yeah. it took him a long time to get out of. And in time, the, the album became seen as great, but just because it was so different. And a lot of people say it was because of the, and Eric would probably know more about this type of thing than I would with the different type of, of music they played on it. It just sounded different and it was received very differently. Now, a question for you, King Tom. Isn't that considered to diehard Weezer fans one of their best albums? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. E- even at the time, people were like, this is great. But, you know, at the time, people didn't want to hear Weezer. They wanted to hear the fucking freshman by the Verve Pipe. For the love of me, I cannot remember what made us think that we were wise. Yeah. And- so you do that. <laughs> now you do that and you make me put that fucking song on, you know? Damn it. Damn it. I got to open for them once. Did you really? Oh, really? that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty rad. Oh, those were the days. Yeah, I was in this original band. And uh, yeah, we were we had a little bit of label attention. And yeah, we played some cool shows. Got to open for King's X, too, which was pretty oh, neat, King's man. X. Was, they were oh, on no, a club tour. I thought it was Razor's X with um, Gilbert, right? Uh, guitarist. Oh, Racer X. Racer X. Racer X, yeah. Wow, well, that was your music minute there, all because of Kent. Thank you, Kent. Appreciate that, buddy. Let's move on to some other pop culture news. Indiana Jones 5 update. Speaking with the BBC on the BAFTA red carpet, Kathleen Kennedy shared some important news about Indiana Jones 5. When asked about the progress of the movie and where the movie stood, she's, this is what she said. We were working away, getting the script where we want it to be, and then we'll get ready to go. And went on to confirm that Harrison Ford will be involved. And yeah, it's not a reboot. It's a continuation. As we have been talking about how we want this to be a continuation, but maybe this is the last one for him and he passes the baton on. Hopefully that's the case. And it looks like it's still scheduled for July 9th, 2021. But that means you have to get on the ball here. This is what we want, right? Harrison Ford being involved, maybe hopefully passing the baton. Because I just saw him in another trailer about a dog and Harrison... (laughs) And running around chasing a dog and the dog's chasing everybody else. Didn't look very good. Is this time for Harrison to end after this and pass the baton? Yeah, I don't know if we... I mean, we want him in Indy 5, but we don't want him running. We don't want him in Indy 6 or 7, do we? Under, you know, poison arrows and stuff like that. How about we just want him there? I just Yeah, he's a bit too long in the tooth. Long in the tooth, I would say, Harrison. Even though I love you. I love you to death. (coughs) I think I'm done talking for the show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Less his Skype just went out even though he's in the room with us he's, his Skype just his Skype please just don't froze. die on us Less please be fine. Yeah. Will be okay. he's a trooper man he's already been two cough drops have been put down yeah you're a trooper buddy so Indiana 5 news great I'm excited it's still going on you guys know that the Avengers campus is opening up over here on the west coast at the California Adventure, and that's going to be like the Galaxy's Edge version of Marvel. They have this, I don't know if you've seen this, King Tom. I know uh, Boo's not going to give a shit, but they're, they have I've this. Seen it. You've seen it. It's pretty fucking I amazing. It. It's, yeah, I, I saw it and I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. King Tom, they have this amazing robotic Spider Man that they're jolt into the sky, and he's going to do Spider Man moves, and you're going to see him flying across the Marvel Avengers campus. It looks like he's trying to take a shit while flipping in midair. It's pretty cool. Is this the Wait, thing what? I saw some 
I don't know what Boo just said, but yeah, we're, just, we're just gonna no, move it, along. We're it, gonna move it, along. It's the whole Spider-Man like crouch thing. Yeah, where he's, he, like, he does the, the air. Yeah, he does the yeah. crouch and he does it really good. Yeah, he looks like he's trying to take a shit. I I saw something where Disney was recruiting p- cast members for a, a live experience, and they were people had to come with their own shield backstory and like get out of a room and and all this thing. And it might have been for that for like she you know cast members who are basically shield operatives. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that. I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to copy the experience that we have at galaxy's edge and make it very immersive. Mm-hmm. But this robotic thing, King Tom, you need to go on YouTube mm-hmm. and check it out. It is super okay. cool. I don't know how they're going to do it. They're going to kill birds and shit. I don't know how they're going to do it. It's, it's, it, it's crazy. No, it's crazy. It, it flings without any kind of net or anything. And it lands on a net, but halfway through, there's not going to be any nets above or you know below. They, you know what they should have? What? Change Leopardon. Oh, Leopardon. Oh, Emerge from the ground once a day. Oh, that would be so rad. Can you imagine? Mm. Oh, can't wait for that. Well, there's your pop culture stuff. Now, we're going to get into some comic book TV movie news because we had a wow moment during the Super Bowl halftime show. Marvel, Disney Plus, Sizzle of all sizzles. I want to talk to you guys about it. And they also released some synopsis of the shows. But let's talk about that crazy sizzle. King Tom, what did you think? Like it, watching the um, WandaVision was fucking great, but it, I so, it's so confusing. I thought we were going to talk about the halftime show. Oh, <laughs> you want to talk about the halftime show. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? I, I just will say that I'm a bigger Shakira fan than J-Lo. I will say that. Me too. Good for you. Good for you, Keith. I'm just gonna say Keith Tom, but good for you. Good for you, boo. Um, no, but what'd you get? Like, what'd you think about the WandaVision? Because I watched, I saw it, and I was very excited. And I think it looked amazing. But then I'm watching it, going, "What the fuck is this? Like, what what is it gonna be about? What? I mean, I'll, I'll read this. I'll read the synopsis in a second. But what's your initial take? I have a theory, and I I think Les and I have talked about this before, where in the comics, because Wanda has a reality-shifting power, yeah, a lot she uses it sometimes unknowingly to mm-hmm. create a reality that's pleasing to her. And mm-hmm. I think she is going to be dealing with the aftermath of Infinity War and Endgame and losing Vision. And I, I do think that a lot of this will either be created by her or in her mind. And I think that's a very interesting direction to go in with this story mm-hmm. interesting well here's a synopsis marvel studios wandavision blends a style of classic sitcoms with the marvel cinematic universe in which wanda and vision two superpowered beings living their ideal suburban lives begin to suspect that everything is not as it seems now they're going to use mary tyler moore married with children brady bunch and i think there was one more bewitched bewitched or something it looks super cool and looks Super crazy, and I think that's exactly what we want out of a show. So, very stoked about that. Now, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, that was more kind of self-explanatory. Uh, let me read the synopsis mm-hmm. on this. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes uh, team up in a global adventure that tests their abilities and their patience in Marvel Studios of Falcon and Winter Soldier. That seems like we've talked about that, and that seems pretty straight to the point in what we were going to get. That's what we're seeing. Anything yeah. different that you guys saw that? No, no, no. It seems exactly what like it is. Uh, Sam's getting used to being the, you know, wielding the shield and things are going to, people are going to try to take it from him and he's got to, you know, do what he's got to do. And that one uh, guy that's taken over Captain America, the agent, the US, US agent, agent he yeah. was shown, the back of him was shown, I believe, walking into a stage and like yeah. in the middle of a football game or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. cool. Now, Loki Loki, the mercurial villain, resumes his role as the god of mischief in a new series that takes place after the events of Endgame. So this is interesting. So now we know he's alive. He took off, and he's staying alive. So we're going to have that. Um, that kind of looked cool. They didn't really do much with that except for him saying that he's going to do some shit. But according to comicbook.com, Owen Wilson has been cast in Loki, which is kind of cool. I don't know who the heck he's playing. Yeah, it'd be cool to see who he is. I think uh, WandaVision thing... That is a. I'm hoping they're going to use that as a way to introduce the mutants. 
in some way, shape, or form. Because what you're understanding is this is House of M. Am I wrong, King Tom? I it's kind of snippets of House of M where like the whole world is just this utopia and her and Vision are great, you know, House of Magnus, like Magneto's like the world leader, right? Am I wrong? It, she's like that. she's Pragers in one of the scenes. See? In, well, in, it's oh, that's funny you said that because stuff, she's yeah. looking at a crib and there's allegedly there's babies. There's two twins. Two twins yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah okay, but, but it's shit is levitating. Yeah. There was a story, there was a storyline from the eighties where she and Vision got married. Right. And she got pregnant. And then they had kids and they would go on these missions and anytime they went away the kids would disappear and the nannies would get fired and it it was because her powers basically generated the kids they weren't real yeah that vision wasn't able to actually produce kids right but if i'm not mistaken because of this they she was starting to lose it yeah that's she was starting to lose it and then they basically were like uh, Vision and everybody tried to suppress her or whatever. And then that's yeah. where she busts out of it, finally figures out what's going on. And then she's she, like, no she more was, mutants. Am yeah, I wrong? She, on one hand, she was being manipulated by Immortus to marry yes. the Vision. Right. Then she was being manipulated later on by Magneto to leave the Avengers and join him as he restarted the Brotherhood of Mutants. That's right. And so it was all these people, and then she's, you know, Vision kind of dumped her, and one she was in love with Wonder Man because Vision was based on Wonder Man. Wonder Man didn't want anything to do with her. And so that happened, like, in the early 90s, and then it culminated maybe about 10 years later mm-hmm. with the whole House of M and then M-Day. And then M-Day, she, yeah, she figures it all out, and she's like, you know what, no more mutants. And boom. Right. She just gets rid of the mutants. Her reality where she just boom, no more mutants. She like just whispered. It's a panel with her just whispering it and then just wow. And it's and literally like 90, 90 percent of them lose their powers. And then no more mutants away. are born for like a good what? Five or six years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. About that. Yeah. It's it's uh, for as powerful as she is. These that little, you know, three words shaped Marvel comics for quite some time. And mm-hmm. th- if they find a way, if Kevin Feige finds a way to make this happen and then find us a way to bring mutants into it or something. Wow. Maybe this is the opening. That and Kevin is, Feige that is literally booting the door down. He like did just blowing he, the whole. He did say that Scarlet, which is the most powerful Avenger. Yep. Ever. Well, yeah. He, well, watching in war, she almost killed Thanos. Like I said, when you yeah. watch Infinity War, three characters stand out in their power. And it's Strange, it's Doctor Strange, Thor, and Scarlet Witch. By by far. And they do these things the right way. You know, we have uh Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be training uh Scarlet Witch yeah. at some point. So in the books, that's what happens. She like gets even more powerful oh my gosh. because she's well, a sorceress of some type, but he trains her at some point in the eighties or something like that too. Right. They had, well, they, they, yes, but more lately, Marvel has been leaning into this. It was a one shot that came out a year or two ago where Dr. Strange trained Ileana Rasput. And he also worked with her a little bit back in the eighties after she first became magic. And then they released another issue a few months, a few weeks ago, kind of Doctor Strange, the end where he officially it's an alternate universe, but he, you know, handed off the mantle of Sorcerer Supreme to her. They could also use this movie to introduce her. I don't expect it. I don't either. No, I, I noticed there was another thing. I know there was an alternate uh, story written where the characters portaled across from Marvel to DC. Oh, what? And then <laughs> Wanda went over to DC and in DC magic truly exists. Yes. And she, as soon as she steps yeah. in, she's like, God. Well, because like Superman can't do shit. No, and she's legitimate. No, but With she magic, feels right? magic. And yeah. she's like, uh-oh. And her power's legit. Just She has to like suppress herself. She's like, oh, shit. Kind of Dark Phoenix? What's, what, yeah, like she was going to overreact. That would be cool to see if, at some point. Not so much that part, but, you know, just her getting to a point where she realizes she's the how shit. powerful she is. Right. 
So, uh, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting news for Marvel and Marvel fans and Disney+. Plus. Or it seems like we're getting a lot of crazy good content. And uh, keep your subscription, you 26 million people. <laughs> Doctor Strange gets a director. And it looks like Sam Raimi. Raimi. Is it Raimi or Raimi? I think it's Raimi. Raimi. Is it Raimi? Yeah, he's in talks to take over Doctor Strange 2. And Variety is reporting this. Which is uh, pretty cool. It's a good trade. So, uh, initial thoughts on this. Now, Spider-Man one and two considered two of the greatest comic book films, and you know, out of the top, let's say twenty or whatever. Yeah. Did, was he a part of three? Did he do three as well? King Tom, I, do you know? I don't think so. I, I think he did. I don't know. I think so. Was he responsible for the jazz scene? Because. I think so. I hope not. You know what? I'm going to go on record as saying I thought that was funny. Okay. Well, the fact the fact that Eric is saying it is 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 the newsworthy part of that anyway. <laughs> so it's fine. Well, I just saw it yesterday. So <laughs> right on time. Eric, Eric saw it and Eric saw the scene in while it was in Into the Spider Verse when they make fun of it in that one. Uh, <laughs> Ramy Ramy did direct it. He did direct it. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool that he's get, jumping back into it, you know, after two decades. He hasn't done it. You know, Spider-Man came out 20 years ago. My goodness. Wow. Originally, they were talking about the Doctor Strange sequel being a horror-type movie. Yeah. Now yeah. that Raimi's on board, do you think that's going to change at all? Ooh. No. I think he can do horror. And it hasn't... It For was, sure. Didn't he do... Uh, he was Evil Dead. He was Evil Dead. Yeah. yeah so yeah, even more so. Okay. Yeah. So even more so. I think okay. he might be a perfect fit for this. So uh, I, that's why I'm pretty excited about it, even though, you know, the jazz scene did throw me off a little bit. But um, And that was horror in itself. So he, huh. he did that really well. <laughs> but I uh, know I think this is cool. I like him coming back to the fold of, of superhero comic book stuff. And fantastic. Yeah. I think we should end off this thing with Harley Quinn reviews. Now, this coming out this weekend, and it's been getting some pretty great reviews. I, I don't know what the cinema score is or the Rotten Tomato score is as of right now, but um, here's some, um, some critical uh, responses here. This is Kate Erblend from IndieWire, and this is what she said. It's a girl-powered, earnestly feminist superhero movie with big, impossible action sequences and outside personalities. And while it never quite reaches that potential, it does begin to map out a fresh path to the world-worn arena of superhero narratives. It may not be the promised total emancipation, at least not yet, but it's fabulous in its own way. So a lot of these uh, reviews I've read are like, it's not the best superhero film, but it's damn good. Variety, this is what Owen Gilberg noted, directing her first studio feature, Kathy Yang keeps it all hurtling along with impeccable ferocity. Her action scenes have deftly detonating visual spaciousness capped by crowd-pleasing moments. So we get some good critical reviews. I'm not very excited about this film, and I don't know why, but I'm definitely going to go check it out. So far, so good with the reviews. And I, the fan reviews, I'm really interested to see what they think. But critically, not so shabby so far. You guys, you going to go see this, uh, King Tom and, and uh, Boo? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go see it. I kind of feel the same way where I'm not that excited. I'm, I'm kind of going into it, you know, not, not with low expectations, but not really knowing what I'm going to get. So I'm kind of, kind of hoping for the best. You know, I'm, I'm you know, it, it seems to me like, you know, grab your popcorn, grab your soda and, you know, go for the ride kind of thing, which, you know, that's never a bad time. So yeah, no, I, I, I'm looking forward to it somewhat not not really like oh my god i gotta see it but i am looking forward to it yeah yeah i'm right there with you i i just want to go and see what kind of action sequences there are and how she does i did read one person say that ewan mcgregor's villain is the best villain since heath ledger's joker wow the funnest and most satisfying which says a lot i'm probably gonna wait till home release but i'm glad that it's getting positive reviews and i you know i want it to do well yeah, so do I. I want a surprise moment where Cassandra Kane does something awesome. From what I'm seeing right now, they're just they just clipped her wings completely. Well, that's interesting you said that because I also read that each one of them, though they get overshadowed by Harley Quinn, each one of them have that oh shit moment on screen. So hopefully yeah, you go hers, oh hers shit should be the whole damn movie because she's a badass. 
this is a character who can knock Batman out. Like, is that right? With, within three moves. Like, yeah. See, I don't know much about the birds. Cassandra Cain is by far one of the great. It's created and written as one of the greatest fighters in all of comicdom. So it's like hand to hand, she can stand with anybody. Wow. And they just got her as some like little demure teen teenage kid just chilling and hiding behind people when she could literally jump to the front and wipe all of them dudes out. Yeah, well, no I, I wonder if they're going to expand on that. I'm sure they I will. I hope so. I'm sure they will. <laughs> hope they won't miss that. And I think that sums it up for this episode. I do want to do give a big shout out to our friends at the Rogue One podcast for getting to their 200th episode. Congratulations on 200. Man, you guys have been doing it and doing it well for a long time. And again, one of the first podcasts that I listened to and one of the reasons why we're even here is because of Rogue mm-hmm. One. So uh, everybody that's been involved, Johnny, Hawes, and Moneybags, Pappas, congrats mm-hmm. on getting to 200 and can't wait to listen to more of that. All right. So let's end it right there. It was a fun episode to record. Not really. But it was, hope you had fun listening to it as much as we did. Well, hope you had way more fun than we did mm-hmm. uh, listening to it. But thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Mr. Struthers, where can people listen to you and just love you? Oh, in my heart. That's where. Uh, you Listen to my other Star Wars podcast, The Bad Motivators. Um, it's me and two other dudes that... Uh, we talk about Star Wars and stuff and have the occasional cool guest on there. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Eric Strahlers, where I talk about Star Wars and uh, Taylor Swift and my gigs sometimes. There you go. Mr. Tom Chansky, king of all pods, guy that rules the lands. I don't know. Just where, where can people find you? Uh, Tom Chansky on Twitter, uh, on Patreons for Steel Wars, Blue Harvest, and the Bad Motivators. And I think I'm going to be on an upcoming episode of Pete Fletzer's Around the Galaxy. Man, oh, I cannot wait for that. That's going to be great. Love his show. Yeah, it was fun. You're going to be a great guest. I can just feel it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you got the kingdom it. Kingdom is expanding. Mr. Carlos Buarguel, the man in the robe, where can people check out all the pool shenanigans that you pull off? All the uh, all the robe action. You can find me on Twitter at the Sith List Boo and here on the Sith List. Mr. Crunch Crunch is a cough drop. Where can people listen to you suck on those nodules, whatever you call them? Nodulus, nodules, nodules, nodules. Turn into Pornhub. Search oh, Crunch no. Crunch nodules. Then more than likely you'll find it there. You can watch and listen, apparently. Uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm on the Sith list. And you can follow me on Twitter. Do you hear that, Pornhub? Hit us up. Sponsorship. You can find me at the Sith list. Thank you again for listening to this episode, and we'll catch you next week with the gals from the Force Toast coming on on episode number 184 of The Sith List.
man. Fucking Apple, you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I eventually I have to go to sleep.